My name is Allie Dottinger. I am the founder and director of Supports on the Streets. We are a homeless outreach organization and we're actually here at, at Peace Village where a lot of our time is spent and a lot of our outreach um, goes on. We are just here on a regular basis building raw and real relationships with some of the homeless in our city. I have had such a joy getting to know so many people and learning their, their names, their stories. They're not just a statistic. And I think so often we just want to serve people or, or move them along. Um, but when you get to know them for who they are, they're so much more. And like the gift of presence, the relationships that we build is one of the best parts of this ministry. Originally I was homeless uh, at one point in my time. Uh, I was 19. Uh, I had come back from Job Corps and um, I had gotten a license in culinary. Uh, for a year, I couldn't find a job. I was uh, homeless. It just got kind of crazy, so I ended up going into a shelter to try to find me somewhere to, you know, possibly get a house and find myself somewhere to live. I had found a place to live, and I found an apartment, and it was nice, and uh, I ended up trying to find a way to, you know, what could I do more to help people that were in my situation? Serving the homeless um, has been a wonderful experience. If you really want to get involved, if you really want to get serious about it, um, go to a soup kitchen. Um, you know, get your hands dirty, lend your, lend your time. That's the biggest thing I can say, lend your time, go out and sit with people. And I've had conversations with people, you know, and I've, um, I've learned who they were. Northridge Church, I challenge you to go beyond the walls of our buildings and build relationships with the homeless in our community. Doing homeless outreach, it's not clean cut and it's not polished, but building relationships that are organic or what God is calling us to do through the gospel. Well, hey, good morning and welcome to Northridge Church, man. We're honored and excited to have you here this morning. And, you know, it's an exciting time of year. I mean, we just got done with Thanksgiving and we're counting down the 25 days to Christmas. It's an exciting time of year. And I hope you're excited this morning. Webster, Greece, Henrietta, you guys excited? Arondacoit, are we excited this morning? Yeah. And can you guys do me a favor? Can you help me welcome our online audience this morning at all of our campuses? Can we welcome them? You might not know this, but our online audience is actually growing pretty rapidly. Just over the last two months, we've averaged for both services around 1,100 people watching online every single week. And so we want to welcome those of you who are at home or maybe driving in your car watching online. Thanks for being here. And everybody, welcome to Northridge Church. And, you know, this is a, an exciting weekend in the life of our church. It's our Beyond Weekend, something that we talk about every single year. It's also parent-child dedication. And we have a lot of guests here this morning. Some of you are supporting the, the children that were dedicated. Some of you are watching online, getting a glimpse to see that moment. And we have a lot of guests. And if you're a guest this morning, I, I really, I think it's a really, I think it's a really awesome weekend to be here at Northridge Church. Because you're going to get a chance through Beyond Weekend to, to really get a glimpse of who we are as a church and what we're passionate about and what we want to see God do in, in, in our community. And if you're a Northridge or you're a regular attender, hopefully for you, this is a weekend where we recast some vision in your heart and it excites you to live out what God is calling us as a church to do. Because I, I think for many of you, you probably woke up this morning and you might have said, hey, we're going to go to church this morning. Some of you watching online, you, you opened your laptop and you said, hey, I'm going to watch a church service. And when we, when we hear that term, that word church, I think for the majority of us, we automatically, it's just kind of something that we naturally do when we hear that term church, we think, we see in our head a building. 
a facility. You see, maybe for some of you, you grew up Catholic. And when you hear church, you think of stained glass in some ornate traditional church building. For those of you who had a different background, you might see steeples and crosses on church buildings, white church, you know, red big doors. For some of you who've just been to Northridge Church, it's your only experience. For those of you at our campuses, you might think a movie theater or you might think a middle school. And and I think for the vast majority of us, when we hear that term church, we just picture a building, a facility. And, And really, one of our goals at Northridge Church is really to change that perspective in your head. Because when it comes to the church, we don't want you to see a building or a facility. We actually want you to see faces. Because at the end of the day, the church isn't about programs. The church isn't about building big buildings. The church was designed for people. That's why God brought the church about to love and to show the world that he loved them through people. And that's what the church is. I mean, if you look at the Greek word for church, it's ecclesia, ecclesia. You know what it means? It means assembly. It means gathering. It means congregation. It means a group of people gathering together. And this is beyond weekend. And and what we really want to do is we want to take the church and focus it back on people. And really beyond, for those of you who are new, hopefully for our Northridgers, this is just a refresher. But I I really want to define what beyond is. Because this is what this weekend is all about. Is beyond is this movement. It's the movement of people, of the church, to get outside the walls of our church buildings and to show our community, the world, the love of Jesus. You see, if you're a guest or you're here at Northridge Church, you have to recognize that we are passionate about not getting really comfortable in our auditoriums, not getting really comfortable in our seat. We're passionate about moving outside of our walls of our church buildings and facilities, and we're passionate about loving our community, our city, and our world with the love of Jesus Christ. And ultimately, that's what Beyond is. And and I really want to give you a history lesson of what God has done through this church over the last six years in this initiative, in this movement called Beyond, because God has done some significant things. You know, over the course of the last six years through Beyond, this church has given away $1.2 million. $1.2 million. We have just said, hey, we're going to give it. We're going to invest it in our community and in our area and in the world. That's a lot of money. And some of you might say, well, where did that money go? Well, let me just give you a little piece of where that money has gone. We've invested in a village, a remote village in the middle of nowhere Africa called Maramara. And we've seen God take this village that has been forgotten, left behind, a village that had no water to drink in in Africa, if you can imagine that. And we brought them a well with fresh water. And now, six years later, they have irrigation systems to grow crops in in, in the dry season. They have other villages in the surrounding area coming to learn from this village based off your generosity and your investment in them. We've seen God transform the village. We've also invested in local ministries inside the Rochester area, ministries that help the single mom. Ministries that love the people who are addicted to substances. Ministry that help the orphan, that that pursue the college student. Ministries that love on people in our backyards who are hurting and in need of help. We've also seen 
300 kids sponsored through Compassion International, kids who in the Honduras area, a village there that, have, that, that don't have the ba- their basic needs met, that, that can't care for themselves. And we had families support children to say, hey, we love you, we care for you, and we want to provide for you. Over 300 families have been affected. And then just recently, we had the opportunity to invest in 300 local teachers in five different schools in the Rochester area. And honestly, we just wanted to say to those teachers, hey, we appreciate you. We're thankful that you're here, and we're thankful that you're investing in the next generation. And, And what's been interesting is over the course of those six years of investing in our city and in our community and in our area and in the world, the response has been pretty similar. Most people begin by saying, thank you. I don't deserve this. Thank you so much for investing in us. But really, what, what most people say, whether it's in Africa or whether it's in our backyard, you know what most people ask? They say, why would you do this? Why, why would you want to love on the teachers of this community? Why would you love on a village, in, in, in a remote village in Africa? Well, like, when I went to Africa and I, I met with these village leaders and, and I talked to them, their, their main question was like, Why? You don't know us. You live thousands and thousands of miles away from us. Why would you do this? And I want to answer that question, really. Why? Why do we believe in beyond? Why do we want to be a church that doesn't get comfortable here, but really steps out of our walls and loves our community and the world? Ultimately, beyond why we want to get outside of our walls is rooted in God's command to us to love. That's that's ultimately the answer to that question is, is it's because God told us to. It's a matter of obedience. We want to live out what God has commanded us to do. And it's rooted in that. And I want to walk you through that this morning through Scripture. We're going to start in Matthew 22, and we're going to kind of work our way around. But in Matthew chapter 22, Jesus is asked a simple question. Hey, a a, a leader asked him this question. He says, hey, what's the greatest command in all of the law? Like, let's put it into 2018 terms. Hey, Jesus... What should be on the top of my priority list when it comes to following God? If I want to follow God, my heart's desire is to follow God, to know God, what's the most important thing that I have to know? And Jesus answers this question. He says this in verse 37. He says, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And so Jesus doesn't come up with this crazy, complex equation. He just says, hey, it's simple. As a Christ follower, as a Christian, as someone who is pursuing God, you're, the thing that you should have at the top of your priority list is just to simply love God. Every day, I gotta fall more in love with God. I gotta, I gotta pursue Him and I gotta fall in love with Him. That is, that as a Christ follower, for me and all of us that claim Jesus as our Lord and our Savior and our Forgiver, our, our goal, our, our, the thing that we should do the most is just love God. Jesus says it simply, but what's interesting is the man asked just one question, was looking for one answer, but Jesus continued. Jesus says, I'm not finished yet. And this is what he says. He says, and the second is like it. Let me, let me rephrase that. Let me interpret that for you. Jesus was saying, and the second is tied to it. You can't do the first one without the second one. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commands. And so here's what Jesus was saying. He was saying, hey, if you truly love God. Now, in our culture today, we, we have a lot of people who claim to love God. 
But Jesus gives us a little bit of evidence of, of that claim, if it's actually true. Because if you actually, truly love God, guess what will automatically happen? You will love others. It, it is impossible to love God fully and not care about your neighbor. It, it's impossible. Many people today, they claim to love God, but they could give a crap about the people who live in their area. And if you truly love God, Jesus is saying, hey, here's the reality. If you love God, you'll love the things God loves. And guess what God loves? He loves people. It, we know this from John 3, 16, one of the most famous passages in all the Bible. It says, for God so loved the world, that's people, that he gave up his one and only son. And so if we truly love God, we will love our neighbor. And our neighbor is not the person who lives next to us. Our neighbor is the people God has placed in our path, in our life, every single day. But the Bible continues. 1 John 4 reiterates it. It says, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. And here, 1 John, he says, hey, the reason why we can love others is because God first loved us. That's where it starts. God's love for us compels us to love one another. And he says, hey, no one has seen God. No one has seen God, and you want to know how people see God? Through us, through the way we love people. The way people see God in our culture and in our, in our world today is through Christians living out the love that God has called us to love. That's how we see God. His love is made complete in us. But maybe one of the most powerful displays of this type of love, Jesus laid out for his disciples in John chapter 13 where he was getting ready to go to the cross to die, but before he did that, he was sitting down with his disciples at a meal, and he just simply took off his outer garment, he grabbed a towel, and he washed his disciples' feet. He, he lowered himself below them, washed their feet, yes, even Judas's feet, the man who was going to betray him. And he showed them what love looked like. He gave them an example, an illustration of like, hey, this is the type of love I'm, I'm calling you to. And right after that moment, this is what Jesus said to his disciples. He said this in John 13, verse 34. He says, a new command I give you. Now, let's just pause here for a second. Because I, I, I think we have to understand the gravity of what Jesus was saying here. That word command is, is pretty significant. Because it's not optional for us. Yeah, I think some Christians believe that, hey, I, I get to pick and choose when I, when I love and how I love. And the reality is it's, it's not something you get to choose. It's, it's, it's not optional. It's not something you get to pick on. Jesus says, I've commanded you to do it. It's the general speaking. And in our armed forces, when the general says something, guess what? People don't say around, hey, let, let me know. I'll, I'll get back to you on that. No, they do it. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying this is a command. It's not optional. If you, if you really claim me and you, you know me, this is something you've got to do. But then he, he continues. He says, love one another. And, and if Jesus would have left it right there, it would have been easy. Right? I mean, because if I get to choose how I love, it's pretty easy. Because, hey, I'm really good at loving the people who love me. I, I am really good at loving the people who are kind to me, the people who, who love me back, but it's those people that drive me crazy, those people, we all have them in our lives, that are just hard to love. It's almost like they don't want love. We all have people like that in our lives, and, and what's interesting is Jesus says, hey, I want you to love one another, but then he places a caveat on his command. He says this, love one another, and this is where every, this is hard for every Christian. He says, 
as I have loved you. And that's kind of the part of the Bible you just want to like delete, 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 you know? Because it's almost an impossible command. Because if you've received, if you understand the love of God, you, you recognize that any type of love that you give to somebody pales in comparison to the love God shows you. Because the love God calls us to is a love that honestly gets abused. It's a love that gets taken advantage of. That's what happened to Jesus, is he loved us enough to be abused on our behalf. That's how much he loved us. His love for us took him to the cross and to death. And that's the same love Jesus calls us to have. Exciting, isn't it? He says, as I have loved you, that is how you should love others. It's a relentless love. It's a ridiculous love. And honestly, it's a hard love to live out. And he wasn't finished yet. Look what he says in verse 35. He says this. He says, by this, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You see, Jesus says, hey, there's a mark. There's evidence of a follower of Christ. He says, by your love, the way you love people, that's how people will know you're a Christian. You see, love is the evidence of genuine belief. You see, how people know if you truly believe in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you want to know, know the mark of that, the evidence of that? It's what Jesus says. He says it's by the way you love people, people will know. Now, there's a problem. Because I think for a lot of people, we've taken that word love, and we've replaced it with judge. Because if you ask anybody in our culture today, you just go out in the streets and say, hey, how do you know someone's a Christian? You know what they're going to answer? They're going to say, well, based on how they judge me, based on how they point their finger at me and shame me and make me feel stupid for the choices I'm making. That's how our world knows Christians today. It's because we have become so judgmental of people and the way they live. And that's how our culture knows, and it's the complete opposite of what Jesus called us to. He says, by your love, not your judgment. And yet we've chosen to point our fingers at people. We've chosen to look down on people based on their circumstances, based on, on what they look like, based on the choices that they're making. And Jesus says what separates a true, genuine Christian from a non-Christian is the way we love people. And I don't know about you, but that convicts me. Because sometimes I'm not really good at loving people. Sometimes I just want people to leave me alone. Anybody relate to that? Like, just leave me alone. I don't have gray hair yet, praise the Lord, but it's coming. And so the hard part with this judgmental spirit is what we've done is we've made it our job, we've put it in our job description to determine who is worthy of love. Honestly, that's what we do as Christians, is we walk around, some of us do this, we walk around and we say, they're making bad choices, they don't deserve my love. And we make this judgment call, and I want to clear the air up on this. Is God never made it your job, it was never intended to be your job, it's not your job to, de to decide and to determine who deserves love. It's never been your job. God didn't say, hey, find the people who are worthy of love and love them. No, God said, you know what you need to do? Just straight up love everybody. I don't care how they're living. I don't care their circumstances. Just love them and meet them right where they are at. You want to know why 
People who are worthy of love deserve love. The Bible is clear that every single person deserves dignity, that every single person deserves love. Why? Genesis chapter 1, I'll show you. It goes right back to the very beginning and how God created us. It says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. You see, the one thing that unites us all and makes us, the one thing that we all have something in common is we are all, at the very beginning of our birth, we're made in the image of God. God created us with his image in us. We all bear the image of a perfect God. That, that, that unites us all. That's something that we all have in common. And here's what it does. Here's the implications of God's image in your life. It means every single person, it doesn't matter on your background, what you do for a living, you, are, you deserve to be loved. And what greater message in our culture today should be ringed louder and louder in the church than this? Because you know what our culture says? Some people in our culture say you should love people based on what they look like. You should love people based on their ethnicity or their skin color. Sometimes that's what our culture says. And if anybody should say no to that, it should be the church. Because everybody is worth love. Everybody deserves love. Our culture has been shattering and dividing, and the church should stand up and say, I don't care who you are, what you look like, your ethnicities, your background, the color of your skin, you will be loved by the church. That's a message that needs to be changed in our culture. And so we talk about beyond. We talk about going beyond our walls and loving our community. That's what we're here for as a church. And we've seen God over the last six years do some pretty significant things. We've seen God work in the life and the generosity of time and treasures in our church. But where do we go from here? I mean, God's working. We need to keep pushing forward. But I think there's a strategic change we need to make in the life of our church that will take us to a whole nother level. Because I think beyond at this point is an organizational concept. It's something that we as the leadership of the church believe in. It's something that we want to motivate our church to do. Hey, we want to be a church that goes out and loves our community. But at this point, it's just this organizational concept. And I think the shift that we need to make as a church is beyond can no longer be a single event that we talk about every single week, but it needs to be a church or people living a lifestyle. Beyond is, is not a single event, it's, it's a church living a lifestyle. You see, I think we go to a whole nother level as a church if instead of the, the big church, the, the gathering of, of all of us together living out this thing, I think it's individuals. I mean, of the thousands of people that represent Northridge Church, that call it home, what would it look like and what would our community look like if we just made a commitment every day to say, hey, you know what, God, help me love the people who are right in front of me. God, I'm going to work today. Help me love the people I work with. God, I, I'm staying home with my kids today. Help me love my kids. God, I, I'm going to the car wash today or wherever God takes you in your path and in your life. What if we as individuals said, you know what? I'm going to live out this command God has given me. What would our, our community look like if we all gathered together and lived this out? You see, I believe it's got to go from an organizational concept to just all of us, living it out every single day. And I know this is a lot to, to take in, to digest, but what's amazing about God, the, the one thing I love about God is he's commanded us to love. It's obvious in scripture, but I love that, that God didn't say, hey, go love people, and he said, good luck with it. 
Like, uh, I hope you figure it out and, and, and try to find some way to do that. No, he gives us a strategy. He lays out the plan of how we can do that for us and the early church back in, in, in Jesus' time, Acts chapter 1. It says this. It says, then they gathered around him and, and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. And so here Jesus just raised from the dead. And all of his followers are, are kind of like giddy. They're excited because he was dead. Now he's alive. And they're like, oh, this is amazing. This is awesome. Like, Jesus, what are we going to do? Are you going to like bring heaven and, and throw it down on earth? Like, let's go. I'm ready. Woohoo! They're all excited. Like, let's do this. And God's like, whoa, 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 slow down. Like, you're worrying about things that are of God. Those, those are things that you can't control. Jesus says, hey, how about you, instead of worrying about the things that God controls, you worry about the things that you can control. Pretty big shift, I think, maybe some of us need to learn is, I think a lot of us, we spend a lot of time worrying about the things that God's in charge of. And I think sometimes he's like, hey, why don't you worry about the things that you can actually control in your life? And this is what Jesus says. He says, stop worrying about the things that God knows about and you will never know about. And this is what he says to me. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus says, hey, stop worrying about God things, and how about you start being a witness to everybody you see? How about you start being my representative? How about people start seeing me in the way you love people? Be my witness. That's what God has called us to be as Christians, a witness. A testimony of who he is. You know, if we kind of translate this a little bit differently into like 2018 Northridge culture, I would say this. This is what it means to be the witness. What we say a lot is we say, we, we say hey, why don't you live pie squared? Some of you are like, what the heck just happened? We're talking about like churchy things and now you're talking about mathematics. But pie squared is something that we ask every single person who calls Northridge, Northridge Church home to live out. And, and pi squared is simply P double I. And let me, let me walk you through that because I think some of you, you've been coming to Northridge for less than two years and you hear us say pi squared a lot, but you're like, what in the world are they talking about? Is that like code language for something really important? Well, let me walk you through this. Pi squared, we ask people to live this. We ask you to pray, to pray, to pray for opportunities everywhere you go. Pray for opportunities in the place you work. Pray for opportunities on the team you coach. Pray for opportunities in the dorm room that you live in. Pray for opportunities in your classroom, wherever God has you. You pray for opportunities for you to encourage people, for you to love people. And then you I, the next letter, I, you invest in those relationships. You invest in people. You love people. You invite them over to your house. You spend time with them. You care for them. And then ultimately, you invite them. You invite them to their next step in their spiritual journey. That's what it means to be a witness for Jesus Christ, is you just pray for people, you love people, you invest in people, and you invite people to know the love of Jesus Christ. That's what it simply means to be the witness. That was what Jesus was calling the early church to do. He said, you be my witness. Represent me by praying and loving and investing, inviting people ultimately to the love of Jesus Christ. And then he lays out this strategy. He says, be my witnesses in Jerusalem. You see, what Jesus was saying is, first, you got to start local. you got to start local. You see, Jerusalem was their backyard. Jesus was speaking to a Jewish audience, and every Jew knew Jerusalem. It was the hub. Uh, it was the center of their reality. And, and what Jesus was saying, hey, start where God has you right now. 
Be a witness in your backyard. Be a witness in your neighborhood. Be a witness in your office. Be a witness in the hospital. Be a witness in the garage. Be a witness wherever God takes you. He says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And and here's here's what Jesus was saying. We have to learn to love those God has placed in our path. We have to learn to love those who God has placed in our path. And here's what I mean by path. Some of you, your path tomorrow morning is Monday. And you're going to wake up, and the first path that you're going to encounter is the people you live with. Some of you might be single, and so you got to love yourself. Okay? You do. Then you have, some of you have a, a wife or a, a, a husband. you got to love them. Might be one of the hardest p- people to love, actually. Then you got to love your kids if you have them. Hopefully they're still sleeping. <laughs> and then, God, you go to work. And you interact with people all day in the office. And you got to learn to love them. Some of you, you stay home. you got to learn to love those people. Some of you, you go throughout your path is wherever God is leading you. And the people, God brings people in your path on a daily basis. And he's called you love. And, and here's what, what, what I, I want to warn you against. Some of you, you love the world. You're passionate about missions. You're passionate about loving the world. And I think that's great. You never need to lose that. But here's the reality. If you can't love the people who are in your backyard and in your home and in your neighborhood, in your office, what makes you think you're going to love people far, far away? We have to start right here in the area, in the city, in the community of Rochester as a church. We got to start local and we got to love our community. And here's how we've done this as a church we've invested in, in ministries that do that so well. We haven't recreated the wheel. We haven't said we can do it better than anybody else. We've found ministries that have a gospel focus, and we say, we're going to support you financially and we're going to send people your way to help you fulfill the mission. And I want to walk you through some of the, the ministries that we invest in as a church locally. 441 Ministries is bringing hope to the Beachwood neighborhood through programs in a city cafe. Open Door Missions Women and Children Home is helping single moms and families develop skills and thrive. Supports on the Street is serving and building relationships with the homeless. Refuge Rochester is helping refugees adjust to life in the United States. Compass Care is empowering women with unplanned pregnancies and turning their fears into confidence. Good News Jail and Prison Ministries is sharing the good news of Jesus with inmates. Cameron Community Ministries is serving and meeting the needs of the Lyle Otis neighborhood. Potter's Hand Foundation provides safety, hope, and healing from women who are rescued from sex trafficking. Crew is transforming the lives of college-age students through the love of Jesus. Campus 180 is empowering students, student leaders to transform their campus with the gospel. David's Refuge is providing respite weekends for parents of children with severe special needs. The Genesis House is providing emergency shelter and life skills to otherwise homeless teens. Those are all ministries that we believe in and we support financially and we send people to to say, hey, we got your back. We want to love this city, this community, this area, and we want to help you do it. And we've invested in them. But then once we learn how to invest locally, God says you can begin to expand. He says, and you'll be my witness is in Jerusalem. And then he says Judea, which was the, the, the region of Jerusalem. And then he says, hey, in Samaria, this was the bordering region of Judea. This was changing cultures and backgrounds. And then he says to the ends of the earth. And so Jesus says, start local. And then he says, why don't you think global? Why don't we think globally? 
And man, I, I, think there, I think we fail to realize and remember that there are so many people around our globe that are craving what you take for granted. I believe this with all my heart, and I've seen it with my own eyes, that around the world there are actually people who are craving that wish they could do what you're doing right now, gathering and worshiping God freely and openly. You know, I, I spent two weeks in China just four months ago, and you know what? I, 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 I traveled what felt like all of China. We, we, we did this like four-hour circle where we traveled all around, and you want to know what? I didn't see one church. Not one church. In America, you drive three miles down the street, there's another church and another church and another church. Something that we have that is a blessing that most people crave and wish they had. Another thing is, you know, probably most Americans today, we have an app on our, our, our phone called the Bible app. <laughs> Something maybe, hopefully, we open on a regular basis. But do you realize that there are people all across the, the world that just wish they could get their hands on a Bible written in their own language so they could know and understand the words of God? Something that we have probably sitting in our shelves collecting dust or an app that we never really open. People all around the world are craving what we take for granted, and we have to think about those things. We have to learn to love those God has placed outside of our path, people we don't see, people we don't have a relationship with. We have to learn to love those God has placed outside of our path, and here's how we do that as a church globally. We've invested in ministries. We've invested in Remember Me Global Initiative. It's partnering with local leaders in Kenya through mentoring and grants for local projects. We've invested in Compassion International. Compassion International is releasing children from poverty in Jesus' name around the world. We've sponsored 300 kids in a village in, in Honduras. And we're gearing up, our director of outreach, Josh Horn, is gearing up to plan trips so those of you who sponsor a child from that village can not only invest in them financially, but we're going to go and get an opportunity to meet them and see them and show them the love of Jesus Christ with our own eyes. We've also invested in a, a ministry called World Concern. It's meeting the needs and transforming the village of Maramar in eastern Chad, Africa. And, we, and I've told you a little bit about what God is doing in this village. But I want to share a story. Our team just got back a couple months ago from Africa, and, and they shared this story of a man named Basha Katir. Basha is, if you've seen a picture of him, he's got this contagious smile. He's, he's such a, a sweet and friendly man. He is actually the imam of this village. Imam means he's the Muslim leader. And while our team was there, uh, Basha came down with a, a pretty severe sickness that they believe is going to take his life. You see, in, in Mara Mara, medical care doesn't exist. You just kind of deal with what comes your way. And so he's laying in this bed just waiting, honestly, to die. They don't know if it's going to be a day or six months or a year. They just know he's sick. And during this time, uh, Josh Horn, our director of outreach, and Brad Van Heuklem, who's a doctor in the local area, he got to sit down with Basha and just tell him that God loves him, that he cares for him, and he wants to know him, and just to experience the love of Jesus Christ. And so I would just challenge you as a church, pray for Basha. You might not remember his name, but the great news is, is God knows his, who he is. So if you just pray for him, be diligent. But at the end of the day, we are going to be a church that gets outside the walls 
of our facilities. We're, we're going to be a church that doesn't get comfortable in our seats and the seat we sit in every single week, but we're going to get uncomfortable and move outside of our walls and just love people, people in our community and in the world. And so my question for you as you kind of let this marinate all week is I would just ask you to simply ask this question. How are you going beyond? How are you and your family and your relationships, how are you going beyond? You see, I'm going to give you a couple ways that in, in the near future that you can do that. You see, one thing we do as a church is on December 23rd, two days before Christmas, every single dollar that we receive as a church, we are going to give it away. We do it every single year. We've just chosen as a leadership team to budget for a 51, week, a 51 year a week instead of 52. And that one week a year, we just say, hey, every single dollar that we, we receive as a church, we give it away. And I know for many of you, like one of your big things about the church is, hey, the church just wants my money. Well, I'm telling you here at Northridge Church, we value generosity. And we are a church that simply just loves to give money away. We do. And it's not because we're so good or we're so great. It's honestly a representation of how good our God is. And so we love to do that. We're also... I would also challenge you to go beyond and, and serve. I think for some of us, it's easy to write a check. It's just easy. I know there's sacrifice in giving up money, but it's the easy thing. Because you want to know something that's more valuable than your money? It's your time. And I would challenge some of you to maybe, when you leave here today, you're going to have a pamphlet. It's, it's our Beyond pamphlet. It's going to have a list of all the ministries that we support. And I would just challenge you. Maybe get your family your kids, I'm telling you, this time of year, guess what we do? We spoil our kids. But I'm telling you, what would be beneficial for your kids is to see how other people live in life. To let them see what a, what a homeless person looks like. To let them see what, they, what people struggle with. It would open their eyes. And maybe as a family, you pick one ministry. Or as a community group, you pick one ministry and you pray for that ministry. You serve them and you support them throughout the year. Because beyond is, is not a church serving, it's the church serving. And so I'll leave you with this verse, Micah chapter 6, verse 8, it says this. It says, he has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. What does God require of us? Well, simply to stand up, to do justice, to stand up for those who can't stand for themselves to love kindness, to show grace and mercy to people, and to walk humbly with our God. You see, the reality is, is this church is going beyond its walls. The question is, is will you join us? Let's pray. Lord, thanks for what you've done in this church's life so far. Man, thank you for just over the past six years, we get to look back and see your faithfulness, see the generosity of your people. And so God, I pray that as a church, this wouldn't be just a, a single day event, an organizational concept, but this would be just a church of thousands of people saying, you know what, I'm going to live this lifestyle. And people are going to know I follow Jesus, not by how I judge them or look at them. They're going to know because I love differently. So we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.